I wonder if Rachel Yoder shit in her neighbor's yard. God, I wish she did. I hope she did. I want that for her so bad. If she can't turn into a dog, she's got to be able to shit yeah. in her neighbor's yard. Maybe that's the first step to turning into a dog. Step one. Read Night Bitch. Step two. Shit in your neighbor's yard. Welcome to Read It and Roast. I'm Claire. And I'm Alex. And we're your hosts. The concept is simple. Someone recommends us a book, we read it, then invite them onto our show to tell them what we really thought of it. And at the end, we decide, is this book a read or a roast? Stay tuned, as we'll be releasing one episode a month until the end of the year. If you like our show, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Read It and Roast and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Without further ado, Read It and Roast. What is your name? I'm Sandra. Where's that sexy accent from? Oh my God. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey, and then I moved to Texas, and now I live in New York City. Tell us what you do for a living. I, I'm a writer's assistant for what you might call a television program. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's... It's a live show every Friday in a different city. So I have to travel to a different city every Friday. It's hard to say what a writer's assistant does. I do a little bit of script writing and then a little bit of like dumb PA stuff. I shouldn't say dumb. It's all fun. I like it. And what kind of reader are you or what role does reading play in your life? Boy, um, so I actually didn't start reading until like last year. And then I made my New Year's resolution to read two books a month. And I exclusively seek out, like, weird books because I have, like, a very short attention span. So, like, if something's going to keep my interest, I have to be going, like, what the fuck is this? Like, every page, which is, like, why I started reading Night Bitch because I was, like, she's turning into a dog. Sick. I'm in. And then it wasn't so much about turning into a dog and I was really bummed. But I guess we can talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) That leads into my next question. What book have you recommended for us today and why? the gun um no it's great (laughs) because i thought it would be weird because i knew it was about a person who thought she was turning into a dog that is that is really it i heard that it was weird and i went for it and i did think it was kind of weird and then i told you about it and then you already owned it so just it was just a perfect little harmonious moment Literally, I think it was like a TikTok or something where it like That's just funny. showed the cover of the book and it literally just said like a woman thinks she's turning into a dog. And I was like in like it was called <laughs> Night Bitch. It had a title. It was about someone who thought she was turning into a dog. That's literally that one sentence. That's all I knew about it. And then I immediately went and I rented it from the library. Do you rent books from the library? You check out books. I checked it out from the library. So our novel opens on a unnamed main character, and she's a housewife with a two-year-old toddler and a husband who is out of town every week for work, like leaving Monday morning, coming back Friday afternoon. And she's kind of 
going crazy with this existential housewife on me when she discovers that she's growing hair and her canines seemed a bit longer and pointier. She has these weird cravings for meat and for nighttime runs in the dark where she can shit wherever she likes and roll in the grass and explore and own her neighborhood. At first, it really sounds like she's just hallucinating and or just having these weird dreams and weird ideas. And then she really, Cheryl Sandberg's it, really leans into what she, I guess, decides she's turning into a dog. Not quite, not quite a werewolf, no. Full dog. Just Full dog. dog. Yeah. Which is strange because she wants to be wild, but she's she's a domestic animal. This is all coinciding with her absolute exhaustion at being the primary caretaker for her child. Her husband is one of those well-meaning people, I do think, but was not raised to ask himself, what can I do to help? And instead allows her to take all the mental load of the household of the of the child rearing of their lives and she and as a result cannot juggle maintaining her career as an artist and an art gallery manager and also having this young child which is why she ends up quitting her job actually and then ends up being a stay-at-home mom full-time with the kid and undervaluing her work the character nicknames herself night bitch at first seems to kind of just think of it as a funny little nickname to call herself and then eventually just assumes it as her own name. We don't ever get another one except for some initials. And she has a cat as well who her feelings towards change. She, She recognizes her feelings towards her cat changed when she had a kid. She no longer found the cat as cute. She found it more tedious uh, to have to take care of. But now she's wanting to chase the cat and swing at the cat. Then she's realizing she wants to kill cute furry animals and hunt them down. And she does, or I guess we can talk about whether how far, how much we think of this as reality. She finds a book because she, like any logical woman in the 21st century, goes to the library to borrow, check out, or rent every title that she can find that would help her understand why she's growing extra hair that feels like fur, uh, a tail that she feels she can wag when she's happy, (laughs) and why she also thinks that these three dogs that she's been seeing roaming around as a pack in her neighborhood might actually be three of the mommies from the library book babies group that she takes her toddler to. And she gets her toddler super involved in the dog-like behavior to the point where he eats some raw meat and she's fine with it. She eats raw meat and she's fine with it. (laughs) He sleeps in a kennel. He sleeps in a kennel. He wears a leash. Not about that. He does do that, but kids yeah. do kind of wear leashes. Yeah, right. That was the one thing where I was. I was like, a leash kid. Fine. You were a leash kid. I was a leash kid. There was no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> if I were her husband coming home on the weekend and she was like, "Little man wants to sleep in a kennel," and he's actually going to bed without me having to do this whole like three-hour ritual to try to get him to sleep, like makes sense to me. I also don't think I'd have a problem with that. Wait, why did they have the kennel? No, she bought it. Yeah, she bought the water bowl. Maybe she bought him is. toys, like a rope toy to chew on. The toys in the bowl, like, fine. Buying a whole kennel, I think, is maybe a little sus, but it's fine. I get it. Parenting is hard. 
<laughs> That's a lot of stress. I get it. All of this stress, like resentment towards her husband, the stress with turning and she believes turning into a dog woman. This book that she's been reading that she found at the library that's convincing her because it's written by some sort of academic and it convinces her that, you know, there are these different kinds of mythical women that live around the world. Not all of them are dog women. There were various different kinds, but she ends up in the kitchen holding a knife and trips over her cat and in a fit of rage and anger takes the cat, stabs it, completely guts it with the knife and then puts the neck of the animal in her mouth and then shakes it as a canid would do with their prey and then passes it off as an accident to her husband that she dropped the knife and dropped the a big pot of apples for applesauce and that it was just a horrible accident. And I think that's where she really starts to realize that something has to kind of change. And the book mommy's group starts to become a lot more important for her here because she decides that she needs to get a little more social and get out of her own head a bit. And so she joins the book mommies, the ones that she thinks are dogs, Jen, Poppy, and Babs. These women are supposed to be in their mid-30s in the Midwest right now. It's kind of like a posh British name, but you don't really come across a lot of poppies in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever heard of poppy in real uh, life. Only like cool girls in movies. Still not like suburbanites, you know? Also Babs. Barbara. Yeah. I don't know any millennial or Gen Xer named Barbara. Well, when this book came out just last year, right? So yeah, if they're 35 in the year... Mm-hmm. 2022 then yeah they are that's like a straight up millennial i never thought about that i read this thinking that they were like so much older than us but i guess mm-hmm. they're not yeah. a millennial named babs or barbara or Poppy. if i met a woman my age named babs <laughs> i know i would simply not talk to her because i never want to say that <laughs> syllable level ever i never want to say babs to anyone ever lots of gens though mm-hmm. i think gens i mean that's I knew Jens, but I think mm-hmm. Jennifer is like a little older than we are. Was That was like the Jennifer boom, you know? I know girls named Jennifer who went by Jennifer. Very few Jennies. Yeah, actually. I knew one Jenny who, when we were 13, it was like hard Jen. She would not take Jenny anymore. It was like mm. an overnight change and she just refused. What was that? I don't know. Do you mind if I check? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys ready for this? This is What's so up? I'm obsessed with like bad like cult phenomenon movies. It's like my greatest passion in life. And when I was in high school, I showed Claire this film called Ginger Snaps, which is like iconic for being just, I can't even put into words. It's about a teenage girl who's turning into a werewolf. It's like a metaphor for how like puberty and like werewolfism, whatever. Um, And I have a framed poster of it in my bedroom and it just fell right now, the second. Oh, shit. Isn't that weird? That's really weird. It's a dog-adjacent book, and it reminds me of Claire, because we share this passion for ginger snaps, and now it just falls when I'm on the the Zoom machine with you guys. It's creepy. That is creepy. So Jen, (laughs) (laughs) the OG Jen, not all the other Jens that she introduces Night Bitch to, but Jen invites Night Bitch to uh, an herbal mlm party it's our most supplements that she sells to help her make some passive income where then they finally start become better friends and night bitch is like maybe i just need to take these supplements even if i don't really believe it and she's taking a lot of them um it's very concerning 
eventually starts working on her own art again. She uses her background growing up on a farm in a very traditional setting. She makes it sound like she finds a lot of carry-on and roadkill, but I wonder how much she kills herself. Lots of animals whose bones she then repurposes by re by filling them with different types of metal so that they glitter and they glow she kind of transforms the different parts of these animals and she reconstructs impossible skeletons she does these sort of impossible anatomies bodies that would never exist in our sort of proto natural history meets art and lives happily ever after as not a dog woman but a human woman who performs as a dog around all these bones that just magically hover around her. Debatably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end Arguably. of the show, she kills a rabbit on stage and then gives it to her son. This is the final act of the show. And her son is happy because her son is her greatest piece of art. So I miss anything. Um, no, I believe you hit all the major points there. Cool. Very glad I read this in the last 36 hours. <laughs> Did you read the whole thing in the last 36 hours? Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Could come across as I, though I was like going to try to be really smart and make sure I read it as close to recording as possible. But it's just really when I had the times. So. Sure I is. appreciate you not recommending a brick. Like I said, short attention span. I almost exclusively read short books. Even this one is kind of hard for me to get through. I'm going to be real. It's what, 200 and just under 240? Yeah, I, I think, think so. my copy is 237, which I don't know. I consider anything less than 250 a short book. What mm-hmm. do you consider a short book? A lot of sci-fi and fantasy books. I mean, not that I read those genres exclusively or anything, but like a lot of those books are like bricks. So I feel like for a lot of readers that like anything less than like 300 is considered like a short book. Yeah. I think it still probably took me like over a week because I just I don't know I had a hard time getting through it I don't know about you guys I mean I do know about you guys you both finished it in less than 36 hours so I guess I do know you fucking killed it if I were reading this book for the pleasure of just reading it I probably would be closer to what how long it took you if not longer I think it was probably like a week and a half yeah no that sounds like very on target for me Speaking of which, we all have different mm-hmm. copies of the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh what is your... That's what I your... mean. Sandra's looks very different from ours. Wow, I love that. that. Because I have a teeny tiny apartment in New York City and no money, I actually try to, like, not buy books as much mm-hmm. as possible. Like, I try to just read, like, ebooks. Um, But if I like a book and I think the cover is aesthetic... I will buy it. I knew that we were doing this and I wanted a physical copy. So I like really scoured the internet for a copy that I thought would like match the other books that I own. And I do really like the red cover that like Claire has. And I've also seen the version that you have with like the teeth. I like them. It just doesn't like fit with my other books. So I found this weird, I think it's like a UK copy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's white. It's got pink print. There's a painting of a dog at the bottom. Waited lots of weeks for it to show up because i guess it came from like london or someplace i don't know anyway that's the extent i went to to find a aesthetic book i didn't realize that my book with the pop art 
sort of smile of just a woman's nose and mouth as she's grinning with like bright red lipstick. I didn't realize that her canines were sharp until I started reading it because it's not super obvious. Yeah, I've seen people with canines. Yeah, yeah. Even more than that, some, yeah. But I feel like Claire, your copy, which is the big old steak, does anybody know what cut that is? I have no clue. The three cuts. It's the three cuts of meat she gets at the market. Um, Kind of cuts. I forget. Oh, man. Are you telling me those are three different meats? That just looks like one giant chunk of meat. No, at the grocery store, she gets like three different cuts. And that's the one that she slices off pizzas. And then she's like, oh, steak tartare. That is a travesty. Nobody should ever eat that ever. Um, I really like your cover, Sandra. It's super interesting to me because this really felt like the postmodern psychoanalytical housewife novel, Virginia Woolf, Sylvia Plath. I think the writing resembles Wolf and I think a lot of elements resemble Pla. The cover, like your cover, is very reminiscent of second half of the 20th century book covers. Yeah, it's a little old-timey. It's a little yeah. renaissance Yeah, I guess I should have said it's like a renaissance painting of like a creepy dog standing on like a, like a chaise. Yeah, wow. even the title, like it's not, that image isn't the whole cover. It's just mm-hmm. part of it. And then we have a plain cream kind of beige with the title. Yeah, and the um, font is like old timey. They really mm-hmm. kind of do something with this cover. Um, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's nice on my bookshelves. As far as influences for the novel goes, um, I'm on my cover, and uh, Alex, you said it's on your cover as well. I don't know about Sandra, about you, but Carmen Maria Machado had blurbed it. And she's like a really currently prominent horror writer, does like absurdist body horror. There is a quote from her. And all it says is feral, unholy, night bitch. Which oh. I think is a feral, good. unholy, incredible. Yeah, those are like clips of the quote, the full that's quote. So that's so funny. On my they cover. all they all just took different like clips mm-hmm. from the same quote on all three of our covers. That's funny. And she talked about the influences of Kafka and Tilly Olson. Kafka, obviously, it's the metamorphosis where he, the salesman turns into a bug and he experiences this kind of alienation of like identity from everyone around him and then Tilly Olson who was like a prominent second waver who wrote I Stand Here Ironing which was a short story about like motherhood guilt it's a quote from um, a Jenny on mine we were just talking about Jenny's Jenny yeah. <laughs> Ooh, a Jenny oh, yeah, that one's on mine too they had to find one <laughs> had to find a Jen <laughs> <laughs> so Sandra what was it like to read Night Bitch for the first time? I really did like what I called in my head overwhelming motherhood. <laughs> like, because I know that obviously being a mom is hard. I've always been very pro stay at home moms, but it's never been presented to me in a way that I could like really understand and like feel just like how stressful and like overwhelming and like all encompassing it is. I liked that. I thought there were a lot of good quotes about like womanhood in general, not just motherhood. So like, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't dying for it. I wasn't like turning the pages and being like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? I had to kind of force myself to get through it. It's not an an event heavy plot. It's just her thinking. And the it's supposed to be blurry and we're not really sure of how quickly time passes. She mentions the month here and there. Most of this happens over the summer. She does write about like all the incredibly boring parts of being a mom mm-hmm. in order to like make you understand like this is how mind numbing being a mom is. Like this is how fucking like boring 
and tedious and just like draining it is so like i get the reason for going into like great detail about this absolute nothingness that has happened mm-hmm. to her mm-hmm. but like it also like didn't make for like a great or compelling read in my opinion so i guess because of how boring it was like she really drove the point home successfully what she was doing by making it this fucking boring i don't know (laughs) my expectations like i said i literally had the one sentence that it's someone who thinks they're turning into a dog so i thought it would be about someone who turns into a dog she only turns into a dog like three times and it's a you know 250 page book but i do think slightly more happened in the second half after she was night bitch there was the mommy groups there was the mlm like scheme which i thought was Mm -hmm. like funny and interesting but then i also thought there were like a lot of plot points that were like set up to happen then that were never paid off oh okay such as like the three dogs that she thought were the moms and then she's like oh i guess they weren't it's like wait what that just ends there you just decide that they weren't she only went to like an MLM party one time and I thought that was like the most interesting part of the book. I wanted like more of that. And then like the academic that she became obsessed with and kept like writing to. And then she's like, oh, I thought I saw her one time, but then like maybe not. And then it's like never visited again. Like just a couple things where I was like, oh, so I guess we're just done with that chapter of her yeah. life. Yeah, when I read the summary of the book, it did make it seem like the MLM was more of a piece of the story than it actually was. And it really was just like kind of like one cumulative meeting at the end. It just goes there one time. And then Jen later is like, this thing fucked up my life. And it was yeah. really just those two scenes, which like I, yeah. I like. She only visited that twice and then like never again. And I was like, that's mm. the most interesting part. I want more MLM stuff. I don't know. Jen confides to her that she is what like $10,000 in debt because she just has to keep buying her own product because it's oversaturated. Everybody's already, you know, somewhere in the stream. And the solution to dig herself out of that hole is like become a working mom again. Like that's the solution that Night Bitch comes up for her essentially when she starts using her as her PR agent for her artwork that she starts at her performances. She starts doing her dog performances she starts doing (laughs) (laughs) i think i read it sort of as magical realism in which she is turning into a dog and these women are the dogs but in a somehow impossible way they also cannot address it in the way that we want them to because they don't get to that point or maybe their friendships aren't at that point she invites everybody to her weird garden party where she does her first performance she has a stake underneath the literal bell jars and these women at the garden party they remove their clothing and they get they allow themselves to be taken up by this mass hysteria and so it seemed less like psychological hallucinations or ruminations and more like a magical realism but then at other times like the first part of the book i really just read it like somebody going through a major depressive episode with extremely intrusive thoughts every time i read a book like this where it's like did it really happen you don't know like i also want to take like i also want to believe it's magical realism and i also want to believe like in the universe of the book like it did happen because that just that's just like what i want out of these books but i just more satisfying that way yeah exactly Mm -hmm. if like i'm reading about things that are actually happening like exactly it's more satisfying so as much as like i 
so badly want to believe like everything that you just said Alex like and I really like wish that is like what happened in Night Bitch but I just felt like it was so like it was just so left intentionally vague yeah so for you it was like a suburban mom had too much wine and shat in her neighbor's front yard and like told herself that she's turning into a dog pretty much which is super metal and I love that reading as well I I really like you know all I wanted, all I wanted was a book where someone turns into a dog. That's like literally why I read this book. I just wanted it so oh. badly. And there was just not nearly enough dog transformation for me. And I just don't think that she did. I think she was just like really sad and was like going through it and was just like thinking that she was transforming into a dog. But like, I wish that she did. Like, I wanted her to. <laughs> Yoder didn't commit to the bit. Yeah, I don't know. I actually did believe it until the last, until the garden party, which is where I was like, oh, I don't know if this is really happening. That's when I was like, it's become so vague at this point that I don't know if it's real anymore. Whereas before, like, I kind of did. I kind of was into the magical realism angle, and I really did think that she was doing those things. Were there any, like, points in the novel that were just, like, absolutely bananas to you? When she flips the table and says her vagina is tighter than a walnut. So I I do want to return to the cat murder. Just because when I first finished reading this book, it was a while ago. You had not read it yet. I had no one to discuss it with. So I googled, what are people thinking about this book? Because I didn't know what the fuck to think about. And I wanted to get other people's perspective. And the first thing that came up was this blog. And I'm not kidding when like the first thing they discussed, like they were getting into like what they, you know, their vague general recollections of the book. And then they were like, oh, but of course, there's that thing at the end that was like, very not okay. And the other one was like, oh my god, yeah, like, we have to talk about it. And I didn't even like know what they were referring to. Like I had literally just finished the book like 10 minutes before. And I was like, what scene at the end that like can't be discussed or like that like isn't okay. Like I genuinely was struggling to think about it. They were talking about the cat scene and how it wasn't ethical and like how that scene could have been written in another way like maybe instead of murdering her cat she just like bites someone on the street like they were talking about how the use of animal cruelty in this book was like not okay and I was just I don't know I thought it was a really good example of how far that she had become night bitch and also important to note the cat isn't real so I guess I was wondering how you guys felt about the animal cruelty because some people did not like it Claire texted me to let me know because I'm not a I'm not really a fan of animals dying in books. What I mean when I say that is I'm not a fan of like our our non-human companions that fill the similar roles that domestic animals fill in my life. I don't like to read those about those moments because they're awful. I don't think the cat served that purpose at all. She wasn't close with the cat. I mean, obviously it was like, what the fuck? But so this whole trope of the housewife, it's it's a little bit based in reality where women, you know, in the post-war era are going through the baby blues and extended PPD, and we don't know what are, it's actually happening to women. And then they come out with these different diet drugs and their SSRIs that we still take today, and they realize that they're not freaking out as much. Some of them are not showing the signs of mania that they were showing before, like palliating the fact that we had no clue that women had mental health issues, right? Because as 
Nightbitch shows us we, you know, we take everybody's burden and carry it ourselves without asking for help. And then when we finally learn that we can ask for help, we just shame ourselves for doing so. So I took it as this representation of also our fear of when it goes wrong, because not just did we then have this cultural revolution where we understood that, like, as people, we need to be fulfilled by our lives, but also that society is obsessed with the killer woman. And at this point, she kills her cat and she has a kid. And not too long ago, I read a book where the kids die a violent death. So I read it as like, like a bit of a cliffhanger. I knew the other shoe was going to drop, but I didn't know which shoe it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But throughout the whole book, she never like demonizes her son. As much anger as she has towards like her function as a mother, she never demonizes. She like, even in the final act of the um, Mm -hmm of the performance piece like the, her mm-hmm. son is the gift you know yeah right. i really really liked the choice to, for her to like just love her son like mm-hmm. so much i guess it like set it in realism for me like i feel like a lot of any kind of media that's about like motherhood is hard like it's about a mom who isn't who doesn't take to her children the way that like mothers naturally do like it's kind of about like almost like a warning like uh oh mm-hmm. might not like them like you should but like this is a story about a mother who does love her son so much like as much as she should but also is like really struggling with motherhood and is also understanding like how insanely difficult it is so yeah i did i did really like that aspect of it that she just like loves her son but she also resents him and she lets that co- coexist for yeah, herself exactly she says something, she calls him like this little psycho that she has to take care of <laughs> or else everything's going to blow up. But she has to because she loves him and she just can't, you know, handle his cute little face. I'm someone who's just like so not into like babies or toddlers or like I do not get like the motherhood bond at all. But there was like a quote at the end where she says, I think it's like the very, very end when she says that like her son is like the greatest art that she's like ever created or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like legit moved. I was like, damn, she really got me with that. That's good. That's but good. wasn't there a part where she also recognized that like her son will grow up to be like his dad and like how she like is kind of like also like in the resentment piece you mentioned, Alex, like how she will yeah. kind of she's kind of slowly resenting what he will eventually become. Yeah, I it's a, that that's in the er- earlier part where yeah. she's in before she starts asking her help, husband for help. Yeah. I don't know how I felt about her son being her greatest art piece because the whole other part too was about how she needed to be separate and have art be her identity as an artist is separate as well and then all of a sudden like the the okayness of everything is by combining these two which I think plows through that whole idea of keeping this independence in her persona in her selfhood I suppose I mean is she asking like can you separate those things I'm obviously a full believer in like having your own identity separate from being a mother. But I also feel like if you're a mother that like truly loves your children, like maybe there isn't art that you could ever create that like makes you feel as strongly. So like, I get what you're saying that maybe she shouldn't have combined the two. Like she should have been able to make a completely separate art piece from the child that she made like with her body. But I guess... I don't know. I guess I'm glad that she like was able to find some sort of like peace. I I think it was more making the work 
fit her life, making motherhood look how it should for herself. That for me was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Go back to doing art, get your friend to do her PR because that makes her super happy. And you Mm -hmm. can see a difference in her when she's working again. Like it was, that was like, I totally vibe with that. It was more just the like, the pinnacle of the art and that's how we're going to end the whole novel i think part of it is like you know what exists in an ideal ideal world versus making it work for you and maybe in an ideal world yeah she could separate those things but just like you know getting her kid to do like go to bed in a dog kennel all the other stuff that she did to get him to behave like you do it you do it works for you so that you can get the thing done and live your life. And if it worked for her to incorporate the art and motherhood in this, you know, together, then like, is that not, I don't know, is that part of the point? It, I, I guess it reads as like putting motherhood on this pedestal as well mm-hmm. of like, you know, this is like the greatest thing you could ever make. Oh yeah. Good point. Yeah. I'm not a mother and I'm not trying to dissuade anybody who feels that way like that's wonderful and that's a beautiful sentiment to have towards your kid but it just seems to kind of supersede everything that comes before it maybe the point is that if you're a mother who's really like dedicated to being a mother maybe there isn't anything else that can top that yes she can have all these things outside of motherhood but motherhood is always top that thing i guess maybe it's kind of supposed to be like a not great ending like this is unfortunately the reality i don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like an unfortunate reality. It does seem, she seems happy. Like, it seems like she got everything she wanted. Her husband's super supportive and really happy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a, he's a good partner, you know, towards the end. I think they're just disconnected for a bit. Yeah, I think the point is that it's not black and white like that. I wonder if Rachel Yoder has kids. She does. She does? Okay, because in, in her the, bio, in the back. it doesn't say. Yeah. Wow, my it says um, oh, she lives okay. in Iowa City with her husband and son. She has a kid. Her husband, mm-hmm. her husband, and carbon, singular son. A carbon copy of what's going on here, guys. <laughs> this is this is some straight up autofiction because An she, autobiography. Rachel Yoder <laughs> grew up in a Mennonite background, so she has this like direct experience, and she talks about like her grandmother's sort of Germanic kind of old spells and whatnot, and that you know the the potion that she made to keep her kittens safe when she was little but like basically also watching all the women in their lives just stay put and do what they're told and not live and just be accessories to the lives built to them by men and her mother's opportunity to become an opera singer in Europe and she never goes and yeah I wonder how much of this is based on her personal life my kitten story is so oddly specific it's got to be real I totally feel that too. And I feel the pain that she wrote about in that moment of the kittens worrying about them following her and getting crushed. I gotta say, I, you know, I finished the book and then I like really didn't think much about it afterwards. But for some reason that like kitten story is like the one thing. For like weeks afterwards, I was thinking about those kittens following her around and like what she was going to do about it. Like for some reason of all Mm -hmm. the things that like stuck with me. My roast is hinged on two things. One is the writing. I wasn't like a huge fan of her writing in general. I mean, I know we discussed that like part of it, part of the point was to be put into the general monotony of motherhood um, and that it's mind numbing in that way. But um, I think like the writing was too good at that maybe. (laughs) Um, And I just wasn't a huge fan of it. But second is... um, I think there's like this whole trend right now of like women's rage 
which is obviously a very valid form of expression. But if you go on like TikTok and like, you know, culture websites, you can see like lists of like top 10 books on female rage, whatever. And it's like kind of this becoming this like prepackaged like thing for consumption. And I think it's like kind of fucking ridiculous. It's like here, purchase your rage. Like, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> it's like a trend. And like, I think that's kind of fucking stupid. There's probably so, an herbal supplement for that. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> you know, the fact that that is becoming a trend, I think is like a whole different conversation that we could mm-hmm. be having. But I like rage. I like. Mm-hmm. No, not to discount rage in general yeah no i that's what it is i don't like fight club because i don't need something that's like box up to tell me that capitalism is bad i like rage because i want to read something that i haven't read before and that people haven't necessarily wanted to read before i am so not into gruesome horror some thrillers maybe but like i'm really not into that kind of thing but i the the gory parts of this book I really enjoyed. I stopped enjoying it when her dirty matted hair that she never comes out stopped being a mat of ridiculous dog mane hair and became a goddess's wonderful, just giant, all-encompassing hair that, you know, she's this mythical type creature and now all other women fawn over her. That's where she lost me on that. I'm like, if it's going to be crude, let's just go for the crude the raw meat was tell me more about animal carcasses before you start turning yourself into this like beautiful goddess person because that's where it becomes marketed to me although i mean not that i'm (laughs) anti-goddess i don't want to insult any goddesses here (laughs) i think that this whole thing is an allegory for ppd or for a major depressive and i don't love allegories when they are so heavy-handed and i think sandra this might be why i had such a reaction to the ending so i opposite to your reaction is that an allegory has something that you learn in a nice packaged up point or message or something and I guess I didn't like that about it I didn't want it to be neat I wanted her to keep that rough around the edges naivety that she has in the first part of the book but I wanted her to proceed with that into the second part of it and she doesn't yeah to be clear I didn't like the ending I also wanted so much more from it and I wanted more fallout from the dogness mm-hmm. or just like in general what she had been doing for the past couple of months mm-hmm. like you said it's hard to tell like what the hell is going on i literally just mean that like that single quote about how mm-hmm. she thought that her kid was like her greatest creation i was like oh but yeah. like, outside of the quote i did think that the ending was pretty lackluster yeah it's i kitschy. did more from it yeah exactly yeah. it was like a weird disney ending to a book where she had just brutally murdered a cat and mm-hmm. put her face motorboated its insides just like 20 pages before and now mm-hmm. we're getting like a neat little that was weird I didn't love that the, the most interesting parts of the writing were when she th- either is a dog or thinks she's a dog so the way that she talks about how things smell the way that she notices something when she's in the park with her son and her friend having lunch and she notices the squirrel and she says to her friend stop hold up and then she tells her son there's a squirrel and then they they track it. They don't end up catching it. But like those were the like most interesting parts of the text. Yeah. More dog, less lessons in art. Said it again. I want more dog. I wanted more dog from this book. Not you dog person? Dog. No, the thing is, I don't even like dogs. I just really wanted someone to transform into a dog more often than she did, I guess. 
How much want to bet this was originally a short story about the dog parts, mm-hmm. and then it was just kind of expanded upon. That checks out. Or it was a story about mommy groups, the book babies group, and like what those women were really up to. Yeah. And then all the different types of mythical women. Yeah. I actually didn't like the mythical women thing. How did you guys feel about the whole mythical women subplot? I mean, it ends up being some like fake academic anyway. So that tracks. I think the get real giver was that no true academic would have called that a guidebook. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, the realist magic realism. I guess, yeah. I just like once again, I just like didn't find it interesting. But maybe that's just me. It was just like another boring thing that like she mm. added to this book that was already like purposefully boring. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't supposed to be though. If you had to be a mythical woman, though, would you be one of the ones that she described, or would you be something different? That's a really good cue. All I remember is there was one with like bird women, right? Mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. only one that stuck out to me. They were bird women. I guess they sounded pretty sick. I'd like to fly. Yeah, actually, no, that sounds really scary. <laughs> <laughs> Those bird yeah. women are better than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though. It's this false academic woman named Wanda White. And I kind of thought of her as another type of mythical woman. <laughs> it's like this elusive <laughs> academic. The first mythical woman that's described is very much like the hippie anti-vaxxer mom stereotype. Yes, and I yeah. love that she's indexed along with rituals, herbology, and volunteerism. <laughs> so she really <laughs> roasts them. Night Bitch originally works in academia. She works in the gallery that's attached to the university in her Midwestern town. And her closest friends are in the practicing and academic fields of art. So I read it as like a, yeah, mythical because the professorship doesn't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what is a job? The novel is set to be made into a film starring Amy Adams. I was just kind of wondering like your your general opinion on it. When I heard that, I was actually pretty surprised because, like, obviously it is a very successful book, which I also didn't know about when I started reading it. It's, like, won a bunch of awards. I just thought it was, like, a weird indie niche thing. But once again, like, I, I know I keep saying this, but a large point of it to me was to show the monotony of motherhood and how mind-numbing it is and how boring it is and to, like, really drive that point home. So I am, like, how do you put that in a movie without it being, like, really boring? But I guess... Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes our movies aren't meant to be, like, fun and entertaining. Sometimes they're just, like, meant to be boring and pretty. But Although, I could totally see in, like, a really large budget movie how they're probably going to take that aspect of it out. But if you take out the boring, monotonous stuff, like, what is there? There's the three times that she turns into a dog. Then she writes a bunch of emails to Wanda. Then she goes to one MLM meeting. And then she has an art show like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess in a way it's actually maybe a, a great book to adapt because there's so little that happens that they can yeah. fit it all in. Like, you know, when they adapt a book and you're like, oh, no, they missed out all this nuance. But like, maybe they're going to nail this because so little happens. It's all going to fit in perfectly. It's all going to be right mm-hmm. in there. Like, it's better that it's a movie and not a TV show. Yes. Unless no. it was about the whole pack of women. <gasps> that would be sick. That would be. Mm. I was surprised that it was Amy Adams because she is older than Night Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought if anything, Hollywood would make her younger. Mm-hmm. Age-wise, she could be in her mid-20s, technically. 
if you wanted to really make yeah. the character younger i mean mm-hmm. and so it's surprising because i think amy adams is already in her is is already 40 and night bitch is 37 i think well under 40s let's see is she oh i didn't i don't know maybe i, I mean that's wonderful I, I we do this with men all the time yeah, in casting so 48 years old yeah oh, oh wow. wow yeah so she's a full 10 years older than night bitch and i expected yeah. her them to underage her but you know what she executive produces some stuff now i think so that might be part of it oh you know it is interesting that she chose for night bitch to be 37 because not that there's anything wrong with this but 37 is a little old to be having a toddler if you compare like median ages of like people mm-hmm. who have like a toddler and she didn't really ever not that i remember make that like um like a plot point the fact that she was kind of like an older mom and then i feel like if you hire a 48 year old to like have a toddler that like has to be talked about like that's kind of like or maybe they won't like nobody even mentioned it to her that's what i'm saying like it's weird that it's not mentioned in night bitch and I think it would be weird to not mention it if Night Bitch were even 10 years older than she is. At the but- same time, she works in academia and that's where her like friends background are and all. So they're probably academia. all like older. Yeah, I mean, personally, like it just in my circle here, I know one person who's had kids in their mid 20s, but they are the exception. Everyone else is at least 30. I'm not saying it's weird to have kids late. I'm very pro having kids late. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying that older mothers have a completely different set of like issues and judgments and like placement in society than younger mothers do so I just think it's odd that a book that was kind of all about like a mother's Mm -hmm. society and the struggles that she would face didn't even touch on the fact that like on top of being a mother she's also like a mother Mm -hmm. who's 10 years older than some of the toddler normally would be and then it'd be even weirder to not touch on that at all if you're talking about a 48-year-old with a two-year-old. Like, mm-hmm. do we know how old Rachel Yoder is? Is she 37 years old? Do we know? She's 45. She was born in 1978. I'm actually surprised by that. It read very millennial to me. I guess 45. She's is like, a millennial. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-mm. Not to completely change gears, but we mentioned Wanda White earlier. And in her emails to Wonder White Night Bitch, she writes WW and she signs it MM. I took that to be just a total inversion. Like if if she allows herself to completely invert her life, the MM will become a WW. And at the end, of course, she decides that Wanda White must not be a real person since this University of Sacramento actually never existed. And that also Wanda White is a place at which you arrive once you've decided to take hold of your life rather than a person. But I was curious if you had any thoughts on what MM could be. That's funny. I literally thought it was just short for like mom because she's like the whole bunch yeah. of mother and like MM is just like mm-hmm. mom. You just Actually. throw an O in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Set. That's literally all I took from it. I didn't consider that. I thought the mom thing, but then I realized like when she started shortening Wanda White to WW, I was like, oh. But I did like to imagine that Marshall Mathers (laughs) (laughs) runs around and shit. It's in his neighbor's yard. (laughs) I bet he does. I bet he does. Verbally shits on people. For fucking sure. As herbal supplement bitch Jen would ask, what is your profound why? God, what is my why? That's way too deep a question for a book. <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> My whole reason.
reason for being here is just they really needed the pr that's why you came onto the show Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's deep guys what are you reading right now or what media are you watching or listening to a little while ago i finished a thriller called the kind worth killing and i really really liked it it's definitely my favorite book this year but then i found it it was written by a man and that really bummed me out because i thought all the girls in it were kind of girl bosses um okay yay for men who are figuring out how to actually write women though i and i and i also said this to claire because i since i almost exclusively read ebooks you know i only look at the front cover of a book for approximately Mm -hmm. one second before flipping the page and then i never go back and look at the cover again because when you open an ebook it just takes you to like where you were so i read this whole book not knowing it was written by a man because i wasn't looking at the cover where like his name would be and i really thought it was written by a woman i thought the women were written well and like only thought things that women think and i was like she knows and then it wasn't it was some guy named peter but anyway um I read... god damn it peter fucking peter he really got me and then i even i was like is he at least like maybe gay and like no just a straight white man out there fully married to a woman writing girl bosses maybe he's but married to one i get yeah maybe he just likes women which i i just can't believe i just can't imagine <laughs> is funny um and then just today i finished the sequel to that book which was called the kind worth saving which was not as good as the original but they never are oh i'm embarrassed to say i read the love hypothesis which if you don't know is star wars fan fiction just retooled into a romantic comedy about people who are not in space and then i read brutes by Diz Tate, Roots, B-R-U-T-E-S, which was also really fucking weird. Like I said, weird books. I'm a fan. About a group of girls, little girls who live in Florida. So already, you know, shit's gonna get fucked up. One of the girls in their little hood goes missing. Insanity ensues. It's just a weird, it's just a wild ride. I think I have a book to recommend to you. Oh my god, what is it? Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. Written by a man. There are queer women in it. But man, that book had me laughing out loud. He blurbs uh, the back of Night Bitch. Yeah, he's good. He's like, that was, that's the only thing I read by him, actually. Um, I read it in a book club. We read it in a book club, actually. Mm -hmm. Claire was, we did a book club for a minute. um, Where we were more polite in our opinions. (laughs) Do you have a controversial opinion on a book or reading in general? If we're talking about general reading opinions, I know that most readers, they're like, I need the book in my hand. Like, I love the smell of like a fresh book. Like, and I, I'm the complete opposite where like, I hate to own books. Cause like I said, I have no space and no money. Mm-hmm. So I almost exclusively read books on my phone. I really am pro phone book reading and i know some people that greatly upsets them i don't even have a tablet i read it on my phone like a goblin my back is probably all messed up from leaning over all the time yeah it's not good for my eyeballs and also you know how your phone iphones anyway they tell you like how many hours you've been on your phone this week and it's always really depressing mine is always like hours more than it should be because i you know sit there and i'll read a Mm. book for hours on end and then my phone's telling me I'm a lazy piece of shit, but actually I'm a genius and an intellectual. So <laughs> it doesn't know what the fuck it's talking about. It doesn't. 
If you could roast any book, what would it be? There's this book. Okay, it's called Patricia Wants to Cuddle. It's about a group of women who were on, like, The Bachelor. Obviously, they can't call it The Bachelor, so I forget what it's called, but it's, you know, like, The Bachelor. So they're on this remote island, and there's, like, a Bigfoot-type creature who fucks their shit up. Like, everyone loves it. Everyone, like, oh my god, it's so funny. It's so, like, slasher-esque, and it's, like, LGBT- um, and I didn't feel like it was any of those fucking things. I thought it was a mess and I have a lot to say about it. So I just, <laughs> look, I'm dying to discuss it with someone. Season two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> read Patricia wants to I love the fire that's clearly already been lit. <laughs> I, I was so bamboozled. I love, I love The Bachelor. I love weird books. So when I read about like, oh my God, like four reality TV contestants on an island with fucking Bigfoot, like count me in. I was like, this is going to be my favorite book ever. Like, I was so ready to five-star it. And then it was just like, holy shisa. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. That's all I'm going to say. We need to talk about it. And it's also really, really short. I think it's like, it's definitely less than 300 pages. I think it's like less than 250 pages. Any closing thoughts? Jeez. Just more dog. (laughs) No, literally no dogs in my real life ever more dog in the book that's my final statement in the spirit of more cowbell <laughs> <laughs> thank you christopher walken <laughs> and thank you sandra <laughs> thank you for having me this was fun thank Just you for the fact that i had to read night bitch twice i still enjoyed my time here thank you very much for what was definitely a a bit of an out there read not something that I would have come across on my own. And even my super, super bookie friends had never, ever mentioned the book. So I I like coming across something I would not normally have gotten to read. Well, cool. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a good convo. Absolutely. Yeah, I forgot to tell you about Ginger Snaps. Because that was like a movie that was very prominent in our childhood and okay. um, I thought it was very relevant to this book, and I'm so glad you brought it up. It's this movie about essentially this girl's turning into like a werewolf around the time she gets her first period. It's like I've never heard of this. Yeah, I'm it's, looking it's it up right so now. I, I don't know. I guess the budget wasn't very big, and like it didn't have like a, an amazing reception when it came out. But it's kind of had this like cult following. Yeah, I'll have to check this out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Highly recommend. So Claire, final deliberations have taken place. Yes, Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder. Is this a read or is this a roast? I'm inclined to call it a read. While we did discuss like a lot of of the issues we all had with it, um, Sandra put it really well. She was like, overwhelming motherhood is mm-hmm. not a perspective that is frequently featured in such mm-hmm. a way. And I do think that that is an important perspective to to put out there for sure. Ultimately... I think it accomplished what it set out to do. And I think it was, uh, I mean, I would rate it, you know, decently overall. What about Beautiful. you? It's a read. It's, it's a the read. first time we've agreed on a we book. We agreed. Oh yeah. my God. The whole time I was reading this, I felt like I was reading Mrs. Dalloway in the very psychological portions and in the very corporeal parts, which were, like we were saying that like the, the, the most interesting parts of the writing were the way she just talks about her body. She even has that line of like falling in love with her body and with being a body, which was just like, ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really hit me right. right. Felt super earthy. 
and I loved it. And that is very much like Orlando by Wolf Mm -hmm. for me, which is very much about being in your body, reworking reality to what you need it to be. Yeah. You would love her body and other parties if that's the kind of stuff that you're really engaged. That's what you're the part of the book you're really engaging with because Machado Mm -hmm. does similar things with the stories. But anyway, I totally agree with that. Those were like the like you know Sandra touched on like how the 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 portions where she's fully engaging with being in her body more and dog. being a dog yeah more dog right it's uh <laughs> that's that are, those were the parts that were in my opinion like written the most I don't know written well and like the most salient um, yeah for sure I am inclined to agree with you there I'm excited that we have an agreement for the first yeah. time oh I did not God. expect us to ever agree <laughs> on a book this season just because we. Well, we really backed ourselves into a corner by saying we could only choose one or the other and no in between, but I think yeah. it's led to some interesting some interesting reflection. Right. Right. Yeah. Remains to be seen if we will agree once again. We still have three more books this season, one yes. more with special guests, and then a fun Double the Trouble episode. I would like to ask everybody to wish us luck in finishing this brick of a book that our next guest has recommended to us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks oh, a God. lot, friend of Claire's. <laughs> I'm particularly excited about our finale episode um, in which we will do a rather um, hefty deep dive into a popular genre. But again, as you said, uh, also a double get through. episode. Yeah. Got to get through the whole basket of oranges. I think this is about a, a fruit picking family, if I had to guess. <laughs> the honorary watermelon knights. <laughs> yeah, on that note, on that fruity note, stay queer. Isn't it always? <laughs> this has been Rated and Roast with Alex and Claire. Musical composition by Kate Bundy. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Read It and Roast, as well as like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for posts, roasts, and more.